This is the Black Russian Podcast, episode 19, The Evolution of Marriage. I am one of your hosts, Tion Buku One. And I'm Yula. And we are going in to how marriage started, why it started, what were the structures, where it came to, where we can go from here. I feel like we keep going back to that. We've talked about it before. Well, the, the podcast is about relationships and stuff, so, you know. Yeah, I guess. There's only so many issues that come up, and they usually deal with the structure. They're usually because of the structure, the assumptions, and the lack of um, understanding of where these things came from that we just subscribe to as if it was God's will. Um, yeah, so we had a good episode. Wait, 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 wait. What? Before we get into it. I'm going into the past episode. Okay. Our last episode was Nourish Up. Yeah. Remember? Mm-hmm. It was about nourishing ourselves and going from there and having 
the way we nourish ourselves with energy, with thought, with people um, to heal up our core and have our core be the core, core, core relationship that will have the best effect on any relationship that comes in our lives, whether it's with our kids, with intimate partners, marriage, work, any of that. So we're talking about that and going into that. So if you missed that, you should go back. It's a good episode. It really is the root of everything that we talk about and do. Because if we're not nourished or if we're malnourished and... I quoted you. You quoted me. Yeah. I quoted your sneakers analogy this week. Sneakers? <laughs> I had a shoe Snickers? and OG. No. <laughs> what's it? What's what the candy bar? Yeah, the candy bar. Snickers. Snickers. <laughs> you can call it sneakers. Sneakers. <laughs> Yeah, I got your sneakers analogy. I'm like, I don't remember a sneakers analogy. Stop it. Okay, how, how did you how did you quote the sneakers analogy? <laughs> uh, when I was talking to our stepson mm-hmm. about his wonderful messed up situation. Right. So the concept of if you're if you're starving, you'll eat anything, and a yep. Snickers is a great quick fix, but yep. it's not going to heal and nourish you properly, so you'll be right back well, down. Well, I mean, in his in his situation, it's more of a you don't know what you need because you haven't had any choices. Right. So when you're hungry, you'll go for the first one. Right. Without but in reality, you should have a couple of different experiences. Right. You know, with different people to understand what is it that you like, what is it that you don't like, how do you want to live, you know, with people, by yourself, etc. Yeah, you know, and all of these help, all of these are helped by um, being spiritually, mentally, emotionally well-nourished. Um, because being malnourished and sleep-deprived makes us act in a ways that aren't our best self, make decisions from not a higher place. Um, and we end up in all types of things. So yeah, check it out. Episode 18, Nourish Up. Cool, cool, cool. Great music, of course, as usual. Um, but now, in between those times, we went and saw one of our early mentors, Esther Perel, or Esther, as they call well, it. Well, so the whole, before we went and saw her, mm-hmm. I started listening to her podcast. Right, there we go. I started listening. I started a while ago, and then I uh, didn't get to spend a lot of time with it. And now, in the last two weeks, I started actually consistently listening. And, uh, you know, the fascination with this woman just keeps growing. Every time I listen to her address a new situation that she has on hand, so it's pretty amazing. Uh, One of the episodes that I listened to, and her podcast is basically a condensed individual therapy session. Uh, I've heard with couples, but I understand that there is, you know, one-on-one, etc. cetera. Uh, so it's a one situation at a time and her therapy that she provides to those people. Uh, the episode that really uh, spoke to me was really eye-opening, what had to do with betrayal within a marriage and you know, how uh, how we deal with it or how that particular couple was dealing with it and the advice that Esther uh, gave to the couple. And that got me thinking that, you know, that is something I wanted to talk about on the podcast. And then uh, we 
went and saw her speak live in San Francisco. Yes, and it was awesome. And then right after that, it reminded us um, why we really listen to her and seek her out for wisdom and just her cadence, her style, her just ability to really break things down without anybody feeling like they took the grunt of it in a relationship or in a circumstance. Um, and then also took us back into delving into Dan Savage. Um, those are the two people that we really, really listened to very early and they both have um, amazing insights and wisdom on all of this and slightly different places they come from with it but it it overlaps amazingly so yeah we're gonna get into this one and we'll get into quotes which was very tricky yeah so you know i studied i thought a lot about this whole betrayal piece and the way the unique way that uh, she had presented it how we experience betrayal what it does to us and then the path to possibly attempt to heal ourselves and the relationship you know, from the betrayal. So I thought, you know, that's very interesting. It's such a unique perspective, but it makes so much sense. And it just happens that that's exactly what Tion and I had done uh, before we even ever listened to her. So that really uh, resonated with me. And I, of course, when I was preparing for this podcast, I went and decided to look for quotes on betrayal. And holy shit. Mm-hmm. I spent about half an hour looking through them and I had to just shut it down because it is dark, depressing, feels very oppressive and extremely fatalistic. Basically, when you read those quotes, and they're from different times, different people, different countries, there is no coming back from betrayal. That is like a stab in the heart. You might as well just lay down and die. Right. The person, the other person will never be forgiven. You will never trust. You will not love again. It's just, I mean, it's pretty crazy. So I gave up on that. Totally gave up on betrayal quotes. And uh, instead, I, you know, because it put me in such a dark place, I ran to Pima Chodron and decided to see what she has to say on betrayal, but hers was very interesting. It wasn't as much on betrayal as everything goes back to fear and how we deal with it. Right. And what's the, you know, what are the bad ways and what are the good ways to deal with fear? Because betrayal basically leads back to fear and then we get stuck and then we can't get through it and there we go. Right. So... And I'm with her. I couldn't, the quotes I was trying to come up with were some combination of understanding the evolution of relationships and understanding how things change, why they change. And there's just not a series of questions I can answer all that and get a few quotes. So we're going to roll with these. Yay. I'm in charge of quotes. See, that's how I quietly take power. There you go. Take it. Mm Mm-hmm. Fuck the... What's it called? Uh, Sneakers. (laughs) Fuck (laughs) sneakers. sneakers. (laughs) Yay. All right. So the first one, it was just a random quote that I liked before I even thought of what I wanted, what we wanted to do on this podcast. And voila, it's about fear. Every negative emotion, every drama comes down to one or more of the three most basic fears. The fear of losing safety and control, the fear of aloneness and disconnection, and the fear of unworthiness. 
And now we'll go into Pima and her way of dealing with fear. Uh, and here is a little story that she, uh, I think, put in one of her books. Once there was a young warrior. Her teacher told her that she had to battle with fear. She did not want to do that. It seemed too aggressive. It was scary. It seemed unfriendly. But the teacher said she had to do it and gave her the instructions for the battle. The day arrived. The student warrior stood on one side and fear stood on the other. The warrior was feeling very small and fear was looking big and wrathful. They both had their weapons. The young warrior roused herself and went toward fear, frustrated three times and asked, May I have permission to go into battle with you? Fear said, Thank you for showing me so much respect that you asked permission. Then the young warrior said, How can I defeat you? Fear replied, My weapons are that I talk fast and I get very close to your face. Then you get completely unnerved and you do whatever I say. If you don't do what I tell you, I have no power. You can listen to me, and you can have respect for me. You can even be convinced by me. But if you don't do what I say, I have no power. In that way, the student warrior learned how to defeat fear. Pretty classic. Scary. Pretty impossible to do, but uh, that's what you do. Um, and then this one on compassion uh, from Pima, that was as close as I could find that would directly deal, or as directly as I think it could deal with the betrayal piece. Compassion is not a relationship between the healer and the wounded. It's a relationship between equals. Only when we know our own darkness well can we be present with the darkness of others. Compassion becomes real when we recognize our shared huma humanity. And all of it I try to tie into what we are going to talk about. Sounds good. Very relevant. You want to give your disclosure on our stance yes, on relationships? Yes, I guess we should do That's that. That's what I was trying to tell you oh, in the beginning when you, you dismissed that? me. Okay. So, like we say in every one of our podcasts, we do not advocate any one relationship style or over the other. No relationship style is more or less divine than any other, whether it's monogamy polyamory, open relationship, non-monogamy, polyandry, polygyny. What is polyandry? Polyandry is where, I think it's where the man has multiple wives and polygyny is where the wife has multiple husbands. Okay. Those are all under the um, polygamy right. umbrella. But none of these styles are more or less divine. It's the quality of work that is put in the relationship and the root work people put into themselves, the nourishing of both of those. So now we can get into this and ready to rumble. Mm. Rumble. All right. So all of this stuff is I organized based on, uh, you know, our, my notes from 
us going to listen to Esther Perel and then me listening separately and then some damn savage found his way in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, we've been, you know, as always, like you say, if we talk about relationships, this is what we're going to talk about. Right. Because that's where we all are. I mean, we live in a society where marriage means monogamy and monogamy means sexual fidelity and uh, infidelity means betrayal and betrayal usually means divorce. Right. So we're sort of in this circle that flows ever so naturally because that's just how we are and this is how it works. Right. Uh, You know, you and I took ourselves out of that circle consciously without even realizing at first that that's a vicious circle. Uh, And then we somehow managed to go through a pretty serious betrayal that most wouldn't be able to go through. And we found our way here. Yes. So to me, you know, when I listen to um, you know, our friends coming to us with these situations, uh, listen to podcasts, listen to anyone talking about where they are in their cycle of the relationship. Uh, you know, it's kind of from a zoomed out perspective because, you know, we managed to so far not get lost in it. Right. And it's really interesting to observe and it makes a lot of sense. Like, you know, Esther Perel has this really cool... Uh, viewpoint, she's been married for 35 years to the same guy. You know, she likes to say that she's had multiple marriages to the same person uh, because they choose to work on their marriage and change, evolve it. And then, of course, we don't know the details, but we know facts are facts. They've been married for 35 years. Right. Uh, And she is even more... uh, I think gentle with her statements about monogamy or what's good, what's right, what's not right, and than we are. Right. Uh, she just observes and pulls facts together. She has the uh, advantage of you know she speaks nine languages. She travels extensively. She comes from European culture, uh, and she travels and does therapy couples or relationship therapy in different countries, different cultures, different continents. Right. So yeah, customs and all that. So very, yeah, different very customs, broad, so very broad, broad firsthand knowledge of all these things. So when she talks about it, it's very uh, you know, on one level zoomed out because she's able to see and show uh, the bigger picture. Right. But then She zooms in in extreme detail because she does do therapy to actual couples. Right. And she is faced with these situations day in and day out. And she's very compassionate to them. Right. So that's a really, uh, I think that's a very super useful view. Right, yeah. On where we are. And she just, she has a good way of being able to navigate the steps with the combination of actual facts, historical reference, um, and understanding why and how we get to these places. Um, And that none of the places we get to or the styles we choose are wrong. It's just, if we're gonna do things a certain way, we need to really understand. 
Well, and also that no one knows, like, she is no more right than anybody else. Right. She just has seen a lot more because of her profession. And I, I think she's able to tie things together and present them in a, in a, in a way that if you're in the middle of a situation, you right. probably are not able to see. Right, but she's not definitely not a uh, you know a, 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 an authority. Right. Doesn't speak from okay. the from from the point of authority because I said so. I'm right. Right, and then what's awesome about her? She talks about that she's a student, and that you know love and relationships and marriage is very fluid. Um, every circumstance is slightly different. The challenge is having. The ability to understand that it's fluid and that we have to tune in to really listen to what's going on but we're trying to do it in a very fragile structure that doesn't yeah. give us much room to be fluid yeah well because that's how we created it right so you know we've talked about it it's a pretty well-known fact there's been a couple of you know, articles uh, recently that describe the history of monogamy. Right. And surprisingly, it is not what we think it is. It did not come from religion. Uh, it wasn't imposed onto us by the religious institutions, but it was a purely economic arrangement that, you know, came to be out of necessity as people settled. Uh, you know, they needed to know who to pass their you know, and started, settled and started accumulated assets, they needed to know uh, who to pass their assets to. So they needed a clear lineage right. of their children. Uh, and that became marriage, you know. So you needed to have one woman who would produce your own kids. You needed to know that and that all, woman... And only your kids. Right, so, exactly. So right. you needed to know that that woman is not straying. Right. So she's not getting pregnant with other men's kids. Right. So the kids that she produces are yours. Right. And that's how you pass on your assets. Right. And, and that's it. And it's also economic. You create kids because right. kids become revenue earning, right. labor things, legacy builders. Right. So yeah. those two, so both, both uh, reasons were, none of them were for love. Right. Or the feelings or any emotional support. Uh, or actualizing who you were right. beyond these are this is how I'm gonna you know live these are she's gonna produce my workers and then when I die this is who's gonna inherit my assets right. that's it right. and then love and sex were outside of marriage well non procreational sex uh, were outside of marriage. Right. Love, desire, passion, all that was frowned upon. Even to think of having your structural economic relationship built upon those things because they're fragile and they're fleeting. And so women were not allowed to go get that anywhere. If they got it in the relationship just by happenstance, then that's just what, but that was never right. the goal. Men were encouraged to go seek that somewhere else with mistress or chiquitas in Mexico or whatever. Um, and it was from the very beginning, it was very one-sided. It was not to empower or with women in mind. Women were a step above property at the time. Right. And then, you know, and then uh, because of how uh, the, you know, people lived, the, the communities were a lot closer. Right. So women, you know, they weren't even relying on their husbands for any sort of moral, emotional support because they had their other... Community right. to do that. Friends, family, church. Right, right. And and 
that's that's you know how life was and then here we are you know we've moved away from that we moved into the cities we uh disintegrated those communities uh so we no longer have them and then we realized that we no longer need the economic uh arrangement of the marriage as much and we brought the whole love and sex into the marriage Right. So now gradually, you know, but I guess it sounds gradual, but it really happened fast over the last hundred years. Right. Um, love and sex were brought inside the marriage and... Love and sex for pleasure. Right. Beyond for pleasure. procreation. Yeah. Uh, and then we learned that we can choose our partner. Right. And the partner that we choose has to match these parameters to help us feel good about ourselves. And they basically have to become our one. Right. And the monogamy flow, like she always liked to say, went from one for your whole life. Right. Right. To one at a time. And how right. people will be serial and say, I've been monogamous with all my partners. And right. so now it's moving, but this change just comes from what you're talking about. Right. So the big change is that there was no love sought uh, in, the, in the marriage to now we go and we actualize ourselves and we decide, no, I'm going to marry someone that I really love. I'm going to go find the one. Right. And then we use all of our tools to go find the one. Uh, and we put all of our faith and... Uh, hopes and dreams and self-esteem into that person. Right. That one person. And then we become the same for them. And right. we hope that that lasts forever and ever and never changes. And that's what where I started having problems. Right. And like you should go, you have a quote right here, I think it's really cool, but it talks about that migration from... Right, the, we just um, talked about it. Right, but there's a part that Esther talked about which was really cool and she was like, you know, when we were all in small towns, everybody knew everybody's business. It was much more transparent. Like you could hear couples fighting, people were talking about problems in the house, you could hear them. And then we moved into these cities and now everybody's satellites and no one talks about any of their stuff. It's completely on the down low and everyone's Facebook pages and profiles and fronts is that everything's good to the point where our friends could be going through a divorce and you'd have no idea and you'd be completely shocked that that's even happening. And that was really cool that she said it that way, like, you know, the difference between the tribes, the communities, small communities, and then moving into these big cities and how that played a huge role. Well, that played a huge role in how we treat infidelity. Right. You know, we're not there yet. We're just like building up to why is it that once we get to infidelity, our world crashes, whereas before it was like, oh, okay, well, that's an assumed thing. Right. So right. we're now at the point in our marriage situation where, right. you know, we fought for our rights and now we marry for love. Right. And we put everything in that one person, right? And we just know for a fact that that person is going to be providing all of it for us for the rest of our lives. And we're going to do the same for them and it'll be great. Right. And then, you know, I mean, that in itself a very unstable situation. Yeah. Because what happens if you get bored 
you want something else uh, he gets bored you don't want to have sex that way anymore right I mean a whole million different things can happen like even little things that shouldn't ruin everything but if that one little thing persists like if you're stuck with it for the rest of your life right like I'm gonna want to get an axe and just axe my way out of this right and you know all the different things are like what if someone's not emotionally available enough mm -hmm. to your desires what if they're emotionally neglectable neglectful <laughs> emotionally abusive or you know you guys have 90% of everything in common and there's just 10% you don't. Right. But that 10% is a big part of um, your life. And, and when and Esther talks about it, we agree, it's not about sex. That the core thing is not normally about sex. People will seek through sex, desire to feel alive, to be seen, to be loved, to be felt, to be heard. Well, so I mean, you're going to infidelity again. But oh. we're still with the marriage. Oh. We haven't gotten oh. past the marriage. Okay. I'm, Gosh. Am I the rabbit Marriage is like so freaking boring that you can't get, like, you can't I'm wait to get out of it. No. I thought no, you were saying, I mean, we're, we're like, so we're in this, no, but we're, we're in this situation. Right. And I mean, it's totally possible to maintain such a high level of excitement in the marriage for mm -hmm. the 60 years that you are all married together. Right. I mean, it's quite, it's possible. Right. It's not impossible. Right. But it takes all this work. Right. I think that that's the big point. It takes a lot of work. It's not the, I found the one, he right. agreed I'm the one to him. We get married and off we go into the sunset like the fairy tale. Right. That's true. I got you. So, you know, I mean, there are definitely successful monogamous marriages. For sure. Uh, my guess is perhaps Esther Perel's is. I mean, like I said, we don't know anything about the details, but let's assume that it is. Right. But the amount of work that goes into that is insane. Right. Like, the amount of work that goes into yours and my marriage is pretty insane by people's standards. Right. Like, you got to really, really be be into it. The same way a professional yeah. athlete is into You have to craft. literally consciously go into the marriage with the understanding, this is what I'm doing. Right. Like, these are my parameters. It's going to be hard, but I'm committing to it. And I'm going to wake up every day committed to it. Right. Who do you know that not, that does that? Right. And not just committed and word committed. Like right. It's, if it's, if it's a, a passive, rigid thing, being committed to it is training, is refining, is introspection, is communication, is amending, evolving. Yes. It's, it's opening your mouth when you don't want to speak about something. Right. It's shutting up when you when when you're wanting to scream and yell and you know insult right the, it's it's a lot of things that you do not want to do right it's having those uncomfortable conversations it's listening to uncomfortable conversations yeah, it's taking it and and not fighting it right and you know it's a lot of things that you do not that we do not want to do right and you know i mean it's it's really cool like us being on this path and talking more and more and more and more passionately and more openly uh, to people, to our close people right? about that and then seeing how it's actually helping, like how it's little by little, like our friends are starting to put 
more work into their relationship. Right, right. And then coming back and reporting. Right. And I'm like, yes, you know, like small victories, but they're so cool. Yeah. Like I get so super excited about it. Yeah, and it's awesome. And it, it, and the one thing that we get to be is since we're really out there and publicly, you know, public about everything that we're doing, um, is it gives someone a role model and not a role model because we're special, but the other people that are doing the work don't open up their doors for yeah. people to see that. So no one can tell who's doing work and who's not doing work. Everyone just acts like everything's great. Right. So when we come out, we let people look under the hood. We show them the processes. They have somebody like, no, this is, they're really doing this work. And, and it's they really live not, through you know, our problems. Like they live, right. they know when I'm upset. Like they know when, when I, uh, you know, we're processing. We, they know when we're not having a good day because I said something wrong. Right. That's kind. Of, that's akin to creating that community, recreating the community when people could hear, right, what other people were doing, right, and and thawing the ice. We have such a iced up scenario in our society now where we have to come off as perfect or come off as everything's good. Yeah. You know, we don't want to talk about anything below the surface. No. So we just go, no, nah, you know, we complain about surface stuff, but we don't really want to talk about it about things that's going on. Right, and uh, I mean, I'm so not into small talk and surface conversations that unless uh, I can ask a direct question, right? like, hey, you know, and I have the benefit of having whatever, 25, 30 people on my gratefuls, right. and when I read the gratefuls and there'll be something about, you know, have something specific happening in their lives, I'm like, hey, so what did that mean? Right. You know, what happened there? And I don't want to hear, oh, nothing, it's all good. Right. But, uh, you know, I, I, that's how I get into conversations with people. Right. I don't want to be like, hey, how's your day? Hope all is well. Kisses. Right. I mean, that does nothing for me at all. Yeah. I'd rather not even hear from you. Right. It's like just... just just save the time, Hamster you know, routine, save, yeah. like, you know, I learned that my fingers, like my wrist hurts from texting too much. So I haven't been texting that much, right. only if, it, like, if it's relevant. So, it, you know, I've been keeping it relevant. Right, like, make it count. Right, make it count. There's a toll that's being taken on but my body for texting. You make the shit count. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, like, it's really, really super cool to see that. You know, us sharing how we work and how much work it is that, you know, we put in uh, rubs off. Right. Like, that's a really super cool benefit of what we're and, doing. And another th part of that is just how being transparent, being vulnerable, being open and inviting mm -hmm. is actually beneficial to your relationship. It's really cool. So, like, one of uh, your friends that I'm friends with right. said the other day, we were having this long conversation about her situation, and then she's like, how are you and Tion so wise? And I'm like, do you know how much work we put into this stuff? Right. And, you know, what you're telling me you're dealing with, I deal with that same thing. Like, right. you know, I, I, he's not perfect. I'm not perfect. Like, we deal with that stuff. Right. We just train. Like, we, we treat it like it's professional. We want, it's like the Golden State Warriors, like Steph Curry looks effortless when he does whatever he does, but... He trains a lot and he misses a lot and he messes up a lot, but his successes are so pronounced that people don't realize that, right. you know, 
he's working all the time. Like you don't see him training and doing these things, but he's doing that whether he had an amazing game or a horrible game. You know, he doesn't fall asleep when he's doing good and be like, yep, I got this. Yep. So, all right. So we have arrived to this point in our marriage situation where we agreed, okay, we're going to get married. This is a commitment for life. Right. You're going to be my one. I'm going to be your one. And good luck to us. Right. And basically, I put all of my... my uh, hopes and dreams and uh, self-esteem into you, you're doing the same with me. Right. So now we arrive to infidelity. Right. Uh, that happens more often than not. Right. It's been uh, happening since the beginning of time. It's, all, it's always happened uh, very consistently in all cultures, in all types of marriages. It is not just a monogamous marriage right. that's you know, this happens Which, right. in basically being, uh, it's actually breaching a contract, right? It's, it's, come it's, to it's, learn. it's, it's breaching a sexual contract. So whether it's that you will never look at anyone else again, right. or you will never have sex with anyone else again, or you will never have sex without telling me. Or you will never have sex without somebody else, without me in the room. Or you'll never you'll think, ne- of, yeah, right. think about any sex, of that, if never there is watch a rule, anybody having sex. Right. If there is a rule, it's going to be broken more, more often than not. Right. And the, the fascinating thing is, like Dan Savage says, it's amazing that of all the breaches of marital vows, right. the, so the sexual one is the nuclear one, where emotional neglect, physical abuse... Um, many of these things are, we can work through those things, but this is the nuclear one. Right. So it's the, you're just jumping all over me today. I, I God. We didn't, we didn't have a practice. I, yeah, yeah, I gave you the outline. I know. I didn't know. I'm, I was just right. talking and I'm not reading what you're talking. No, so I'm assuming I missed something. No, I'm, I'm on point. Okay. You just got to trust me. All, you're on point five all the time too. <laughs> okay, go ahead. So we've we've created this marriage, and we are all in, and you're all I have, and I am all you have. And then one of us, you know, betrays it. Right. And because of how high you, we've put each other, and how much stake we put into each other, we put a hundred percent of everything we have into this. When this gets. Uh, shattered it really gets shattered like it doesn't it's not just a crack it's not just a disappointment it's the whole fucking world coming apart like that's it it's done and it's because it was built up so high right that and and infidelity is not expected at all right and we assume it's not ever gonna happen it's just not 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 us no we've agreed and it's not happening to us right and in the meantime, we're not putting any work into our relationship. It just click save. And of course, we're going to be, uh, you know, happily ever after. And then when it's discovered that someone was, uh, you know, sexually, what's the word? Infid- in- what's the word? When you commit infidelity? Uh, adultery. 
Okay, when you commit adultery, when, when someone was unfaithful, that's unfaithful, the word. Unfaithful, there you go. Unfaithful. Right. Listen to that wording. Unfaithful. Like, so what happens wow. is, you know, whereas I felt special because you chose me, right. now that you betrayed me, I'm no longer special. Right, there must be something so wrong with... So my whole with... life, there's something wrong with me, and now I'm having a crisis of identity. Right. It's, it's me. I am not fulfilling something. I'm not good enough. I'm not, I mean, how many friends do we have that suspect that maybe their husbands or boyfriends are cheating and they're like, yeah, but what am I like? I, what? I, I'm uh, what? Any... I'm all like, nothing had changed on my end. Right. You know, I, we, I, I'm always available for sex. I'm always here. I make dinner every night. You know, we have our routines. What the hell? What's happening? And, you know, what's happening is that you, it's the same fucking thing over and over again. And it's, again, like, more likely than not that someone's going to step out. And now they step out for what reasons? Oh, that's my, that's my cue? Yeah, that's well, your cue. Well, they step out for reasons that are usually not because they are unhappy or they wish to leave their marriage or they don't love their husband or wife. It's because they want to feel alive again. They want to feel seen again. They want to feel desired. For women, they want to feel wanted and not needed. And not be a mom. They, yeah, they want to feel something besides mommy. And a cook. And, and a cook yeah. and, a, and a caretaker and that. Men want to feel brand new. They want new relationship energy. They want to feel, basic, yeah, just basically alive. Um, a lot of times in relationship, we get caught in routine. Yeah. Um, and we, we all kind of fall asleep at the wheel. And we become great buddies. And we have a great team system. And we just go through the motions. Um, and sometimes that can be very boring, restricting, um, neglecting of core nutrients that we all need. We all need to be seen. We all need to feel desire feel that someone really actually proactively wants to seek us that's proactively interested in listening to us like listening like excited to listen and ask what you're up to and learn new things about you so do you honestly think that it's possible to maintain an excited long-term monogamous relationship where we actually feel excited to wake up every day and you know, know who we are and, and see that the other person's excited to see us. and Yeah, I mean, it just takes, like you're saying, if you want to be the sole provider for each other, then you have to become experts at growing, at evolving, at listening and talking objectively. And also give each other more freedom than most of us do. Reduce jealousy, reduce control. And the cool, like the cool thing, was, I think in, uh, I think Dan Savage was saying that, you know, uh, like we no longer have privacy. Right. Like we don't have privacy. Like it's assumed that privacy goes out the window as soon as we. Get married. Right. We become, that, two halves become a whole type right, of energy. Like we share everything. You are not everything. allowed, like, if you don't want to show me your phone, right. that means you're hiding something. Right. And if I don't want to share an email account with you, right. that means I'm planning on doing something. Mm-hmm. 
And that's just wrong. Like, you know, we allow our kids a lot more privacy than a lot of people allow in their right. late marriages. And that's where, you know, we talk about, I won't go too far away from what the path is, but, you know, that's what we talked about before, where a lot of people, their relationship is much more ruled by fear and trying mm-hmm. to secure an investment than by love and a desire to grow with each other, but also give each other space to grow as individuals and bring new energy into the relationship. Yeah, and and also, like, you know, we're assumed... Uh, marriage assumes sharing. Right. And I think it was one of the previous episodes where, you know, one of the articles, uh, you know, why I want an open marriage, even though I don't have sex with anyone right, and, uh, right now, is to have the space to share where you're not going to freak out. It's the same as, you know, our kids coming to tell us about something that uh, might be controversial, you know. I don't know, weed, sex, whatever. Right. Right? And they test us. Right. They test the space. They see if, you know, how much they can tell us before we freak out. Right. And they'll know where their boundary is. So they'll know that they can tell us this much. And then beyond that, we're going to be upset and freak out. They're, never gonna, they're not going to go past that boundary. Right. Same with adults in, in the relationship. Right. And, and with relationships, a big part of monogamy, um, the challenge, like I would say, nothing right or wrong about it. But the challenge is people typically in monogamous relationships have very rigid boundaries of what they can and can't talk about. It's not a, like, you know, I'm, I'm, and I will widen that because my um, spying on the open relationships right. Facebook group, right. it goes, I mean, it's well, a I mean, fact it's same. It's a human I mean, condition. It's a human condition. But, like, but specifically, it doesn't have to be a monogamous right, marriage. But specifically in this case, we get into relationships with false premise. Like Dan Savage says, we get into a relationship and all of a sudden we assume that once we find this one, we're never going to be attracted to anybody else. Mm-hmm. We can't even admit that we're attracted to anybody else half the time. Right. Um, we, we act like we are literally the one, the only, the supreme being in each other's lives when in reality... You know, out of a scale of one to ten, like he says, we're probably like we're probably six point fours or sevens, right. but we round up. Right. But we pretend that you were all I ever need, ever, and vice versa, because it's a form of flattery, but it's a dishonest form of flattery. Right. Um, it doesn't allow us to talk about what are those times when you're attracted to somebody and you're not sure what to do with those emotions. Right. You may not plan on acting on them, but you have them. Can you talk about them? Yeah. We can't talk about a lot of those things like that. We don't talk about, we know we want to be monogamous, but we don't, we don't define monogamy. We don't, we don't talk about where monogamy ends and infidelity starts yep. and have a conversation. Like Dan Savage says, in a lot of homosexual relationships, those things are negotiated. We discuss them in the beginning. Yep. And most monogamous relationships, which is different than open other, is they're less inclined to have this conversation. Like, so what kind of marriage are we going to have? Yeah. What you want to have a monogamous one? Great, me too. What does that mean for you? Is is porn off limits? Right. Is 
keeping my act my dating site active because I want to just look and see is fantasizing like where does this go a lot of times we are so afraid to find out this information yeah. it's so excruciating to even ponder that we would be perhaps vulnerable to the things that we've had all of our lives which we are attracted to multiple people yeah we knew different people brought out different parts of our personality yeah. but now we're in marriage and we have to pretend like that doesn't matter anymore and the minute i said i do i no longer had any sexual or emotional desires for anything else but you yeah and that dishonesty sets us up for a very fairy tale relationship which when it when something bad like genitalia touching genitalia that's not each other's comes we can't even process it because we've just fell asleep and just crossed our fingers and hope these things wouldn't happen and i'll let you continue but the funny part was like you know we know some people that went to the Esther Perel thing and the, there's a couples there where one person in the couple is like, this is cool, but this could never have, I could never see this happening to me. And the other person's like, okay. <laughs> so a lot of, a lot of us act like this could never happen. My partner would never. And they probably either have gone through it. It's happening now, or they've thought about it or struggled with that and did not have you to talk to about it. Right. So one of the, like, um, there was one question that was asked, uh, during the, you know, Esther Perel, um, event and this guy said so do you think that uh n assuming that there will be that the infidelity will not uh if, you know happen in our marriage increase does that increase the chances right of infidelity and she absolutely said yes it does because if you're not thinking about it you are not proactively doing anything to prevent it right. and i don't mean you know checking your husband's phone right uh, or email or your wife's but actually creating the marriage where a they feel loved and fulfilled and safe to express what they feel right and not be afraid and not not feel like they're half of them is missing right and create that room and so the hard thing to do is, and here's, I think, the biggest dichotomy in certain relationships is how do you expect your relationship to grow? Because you want each other to grow and thrive and evolve together. But the structure that you set your relationship in is one that is rigid and is in stone. You can't have them both. So I think, you know, as we're talking, and I'm going to ponder a lot, a lot about our relationship. So, you know, for years, like, we knew that we had the rules and, you know, we, we were able to have relationships outside, relationships outside, but we didn't talk about it. Right. I think that the part of the not talking part created, like, in the monsters in my head, like, the fears and, you know, didn't help me when I needed help to be forthright. Right, yeah. Because we didn't create that habit. We didn't create that space right. it was an of conversation. It, was, it just wasn't there because we had assumed that, yes, we have allowed each other, uh, you know, to do what we felt uh, we wanted or needed to do right. to maintain our whole individual personalities and lives. 
but we did not have the space to talk about it. And when time came to own up to it, I mean, I couldn't do it right. at all. So the habits that we create from the get-go right. are the ones that are going to help or the ones that right. are going to tank right. the relationship when, when it hits the fan. Right, and a lot of times, like we did in that space, and a lot of relationships do, is they think these are precautionary securities. Like right. They're safe measures. Right. But those safe measures will be the same equivalent of like um, seeing signs that your child might be in trouble. Right. But not wanting to talk about the times when you were a kid when you may have had depression or you may have done yeah. drugs or been promiscuous because it's a safe measure to just have... They just perceive it's all good. Maybe it'll yeah. go away. Um, and so that's a trap. Now, one of the benefits that we did do is in our vows and the way we built each our relationships, we were built to grow and had room to evolve and amend. Um, so when resistance came to a final head, that was the point when it was time to change and we both worked to change Right, it. I mean, I mean, I can actually like, you know, feel the, uh, how I felt and I knew that's how you felt. The conversation when I straight up told Tion that, hey, okay, I can no longer sustain this the emotion the the amount of emotional uh work that i have to put into maintaining my balance right in this way is just way too much it's no longer healthy it's taking away from the kids it's taking away from my work it's taking away from my life i can no longer do this right i think that our joint pondering of whether or not we're going to decide to Separate lasted for maybe thirty minutes. Right. Yeah, but you know, luckily and, and for like us, pa- like pa- like it's, uh, I think it that was a length of time that it took us to envision how life would be if we if we didn't want to change. Right. And we were like, both of us were like, yeah, no, that's yeah, not. and it's cool. worth it. And the, the cool thing is, one of the one of the safe keeps we ha- we put in that really helped us make it through. Um, is that we allowed each other to ponder what life would be like without each other. When things got tough, we were like, well, is it so tough to where this cannot happen anymore? Right. And didn't yell and scream and kick and, and tremble in fear, but we, every, we had room to ponder those things. Like, we don't, we're not obligated to be. If, it, if it's not working, then we shouldn't do this. And then we could, that gives each other room to walk it out, think about it without any pressure either way to think fast, think slow, or if you even think about it, F you, I don't even want you to be with me, and things like that. So we get room to talk and room to grow and evolve and change. And a lot of times, people don't create their relationship on change, on evolving, on growing. They go, yeah. this is how we are. This is great. I love you. You love me. Click save, let the cement set, and let's just stay in it, figure it out. And the issue usually comes is when people start to grow and the box, the template, the house, the relationship love that they climbed into 10 years ago, five years ago, no longer fits them. The bed's too small. The house is too small. And they are not, they're terrified to say that. And even if the bed, the house were created with eyes open and full love like I think we created ours with eyes open and full love Mm -hmm. 
but we just didn't know any better. You know, we thought we were doing great. Right. So the big thing is, what do you do when you think things are great and you realize there are some changes that need to be made? Right, and you literally get to the point. I, you know, it's it's a progressive thing. You you probably, you know, go through the range of emotions, and you yeah. like, you know, you try and work on it, and try try and work on it, and then something happens, and you're like, there's no way I can keep working on this. This is just not working. So then that's when you know that you need to change something, as painful as it is. Right. And yeah, and then you know whether or not you're gonna change within the relationship or. You break up, it you know that it's gonna depend on how you how flexible the vows were, right. So then you know of course lo and behold, uh, our change in the relationship wasn't the hardest thing we'd ever we'd ever done, right. and then you know there go there comes betrayal, right. You know so what happens when. Uh, the you live the life by what you assume you know are the rules that you set and then you find out that you know your spouse or your partner betrayed you right you know it was an episode uh Esther's podcast episode where um Keep talking. This couple was married for, let's call it 30 years, and the marriage was great. And, you know, they married young. Everything was great. Their, you know, uh, the kids, the dad was present uh, and very involved with the kids. He was a good husband. Uh, Their sex life was great. And then it comes out that he was cheating on her his whole entire the whole entire marriage. Right. And it, but it wasn't emotional relationships. It was you know, uh, pay to play type of thing. But that it was that was parallel reality. So, uh, it was you know that's that's a uh, one of the hardest things to deal with. You know, I think it resonated with me because it was the hardest thing that you and I dealt with. And uh, when Esther Perel was dissecting the situation in the way that only she can, you know, it became very clear to me that, you know, how much, uh, you, how much work you personally put into going in, in, in dealing with uh, you know, my betrayal of our relationship and how uh, crazy it is that we came out of it and came out of it stronger and better and with actual trust in each other. Right, and that goes, and, and she nailed it, and you'll, you'll talk about it, but, you know, one of the things that I had to do, the first thing you do is you go, you trace back how long the betrayal had been going on in perspective to the total duration of your relationship. And like for ours, it was within a year or two of us really getting together. So we were together for, X, you know, 10, 12 years. So you start tracing it back. And then the first thing you do is you ask yourself, you know, was I like you like you're saying you lose coherence in the narrative of your life. You just can't figure out like, was I tripping? Did I miss something? Did it even really happen? Did this person even really care? Or was I just a fool? 
and all these things. That's the first step. And you just can't, you're just trying to figure it out. And then after going through it and going through it, you hear a little voice that says, no, that's the same person that did all these good things that you built your family with, that has supported you, that showed you they love you, that's there for you every day, every night, helping you raise family, kids, taking care of your ability to grow your career, holding you down when you're financially not in place, telling you that they love you, showing you that they love you. That's the same person that did this. So you can't separate those two. And then having to deal with that, like, can I, can I move forward and embrace this whole person, knowing that the person that, you know, brought you to the heights was also doing something that was crushing you at the time. And so, you know, and she knows that, and that's what you're, go ahead. Right, and that's what, you know, with the way that she described it is, you know, such an amazing perspective on what happens. And, you know, we're all... Uh, we're all relatively aware that our future is unpredictable, but we are also pretty much relying on the fact that our past is very dependable. Right. And what happened in the past is, you know, very concrete and finite and clear. Like we know we can go back, we can analyze, we can draw from it, we can rely on it. So when that past gets rewritten without your permission and without your participation then what happened it feels like your whole foundation is is uh, crushed right that you no longer like you have no solid ground to stand on right uh, and you know the the situation that was on hand you know in in the podcast the couple they were nowhere near being able to work through it i mean their victory was that they had not broken up right uh and the hard part was that what that was making it even more hard uh for them was that the whole entire uh community of theirs including their kids and the wife's friends and closest ones uh were judging her for not leaving him. Right, right. So, you know, you have that going against you. So it's a, it's it's pretty much expected that when something like that happens, you throw your whole entire life away. Right. And then you kick that person out, and then I don't even know what you do. Right. At that point, but. But, you know, the way that, uh, you know, the Esther posed the question is, you know, so when that knowledge comes into your life, does it have to change everything that you know, you know, that you have lived with, uh, that you did, that you said, uh, you know, the things that, like, does it negate everything that, that you guys did together and built together? So, you know... And that was like, as I was listening, I could see you working through that and coming to the conclusion that none of what we had was negated based on, you know, me having this other relationship that you never knew about. Right. And that it wasn't all in vain. You know, and that's what people say who've been cheated on. Like, 
like he threw away or you threw away everything we built. It must have been in vain. The, right. the amount of time we spent was a waste. All of it was fake. And it's like, no, everything that you felt was real because you felt it and yeah. you engaged in it and you interacted with. Um, and so that's the hard part because you start questioning your ability to judge, yeah. your ability to be intuitive, your ability to um, read circumstances and situations. You literally become like all your faculties are just confused. You just don't. And so one by one, you have to like calm it down and be like, no, that was really real. You really felt that. You don't have to question your that. And you go and then you get to that point where it's like, okay, so shit, they're both real. What do I do? You know, and then you start going, well, do you want to leave? Let's think about what life would be without this. And then you, you have to allow yourself space to walk down that road. And then you go, okay. And then you have that. You, you come back and you go, okay, well, you know, so you weigh these things and then that buys time. Then, right. You know. So then, you know, you, I mean, there's so many different uh, pitfalls on that path. Right. Right. So first one is you never even make it that far. You just like throw the whole thing out right. and you're, like you're just like done. And then maybe one day I may trust somebody else. Maybe. Right. And then, OK, so you decide that's not worth it and you stay and you start analyzing everything and then you start rebuilding so then the next pitfall is do you rebuild with no trust in me right do you tr now treat me as a second second tier citizen right i mean i definitely felt that way for quite some time that all right so we're no longer equal right you know clearly i cannot be equal now and that's a sucky feeling. Right. And I, you know, if it lasted more than it did, I don't know that I would have wanted to stay. Right. So there's a lot of different points that you can, you know, you go past this point of initial, all right, we're not going to separate. Right. But then, all right, so what is our life going to look like now? Am I going to be always subservient to you? Like, am I never going to be trusted again? Right. And all these, you know, and that stuff really predicates on, you know, can both people stay present, stay calm, and deal with what's on the table without adding uh, a malice intent on it? Yeah. You know, like, can I feel my pain um, and just feel that pain without trying to make Eula feel super bad? all the time remind her that she did that you know and that's what i worked really hard to just be clear to be be very mindful of that like you know you don't because then it flips because then you make you're, right. you're you're projecting your pain on somebody else and you're gonna make this other person feel like shit and then you by the time you're healed now they feel like shit and they're like i don't even know if i want to be with you right and then it's a mess um like you're talking about before god forbid you're not stable in yourself and you can't walk it back because if you sometimes you seek other opinion from other people, and since there's a very negative connotation to staying with somebody who has committed adultery, the advice you're gonna get is not gonna be or have the chance to not be a balanced advice. Right. And then if you're not stable, then you're like, well, shit, and you snap 
and you break up and you say horrible things because you feel this pressure of that's what you're supposed to do. And then you do that. Next thing you know, you're like, oh shit, like that's probably not what I really wanted to do, but what else could I have done? You know, and then right. we just so, you know, more it mess. goes back to, to, you know, what I said in the beginning, there is this circle of, or, or like this chain of events right. that starts with this marriage and then, you know, continues to building, building up, you know, our, uh, mutual assets in each other, you know, right. equity in each other to more often than not some sort of an infidelity which now because we can't deal with it because it causes our you know identity crisis and the world coming down becomes this huge betrayal right. and then we deal with the betrayal by just fucking walking out right and you know because it feels so huge like literally feel like reading the quotes was mm-hmm. the most depressing thing I had done in a while. Right. Quotes like just, you know, if you don't believe me, pull up, you know, go quotes on betrayal. It's a freaking dark hole. Yeah. I mm. mean, don't spend a lot of time in it. There is no hope there. I should, I'll just wake up in the morning and start my day with like yeah. a, a, a heavy diet of <laughs> betrayal oh memes. Oh my God, that was terrible. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it's... So then you're on this path, and yes, you listen to what people tell you. Most people are going to tell you, shit, she fucked you over. Right. Of course you have to leave. Well, and at the same time, in our situation, had I been listening to people that I talked to, right. I should have been fighting for my rights. So right. not only to continue maintaining my relationship but also tell you to fuck yourself because you've been doing this you know, the whole time and how is it that one time I do it, I'm being crucified. Right. So there is, like, there's all kinds of elements of, you know, what can go wrong. Right, and, you know... And you're working against all of it. Right, and it may sound contradictory of dangerous in this spot like we're talking, because in the beginning we're talking about the benefits of when people live in small communities and, and share right. each other's thoughts and feelings. Um, and then now we're like, but be careful because other people's opinions can be fucked up. Well, um, I think that, you know, the benefit of living in a community where you know what other people are doing, right. it, it normalizes certain things. Right, that's you know, the missing, it's, yeah. it's, it's the... Oh, well, you know, infidelity is part of, oh, a big part of marriage. Right. And if I don't want to experience it, I need to think about like, preventing it. Right. What would, like, why do people cheat? And then you you basically would have to go and become Esther Perel and right. start researching why do people cheat? Or now you go and or, buy her book and right. read about it. And you know it explores like what happens, what what pushes people to cheat. Right. And it's not sex. It's not the need for more, you know, different dicks or different. You know, it, it's right. the it's, it's, a it's the feelings, motivation. it's the emotions that are missing. It's the right. not wanting to be, uh, you know, chained to one person. It's not wanting to play by the rules. Like all kinds of stuff goes in into the reasons to do it. Right. And re- and remember. What she was saying, like, for a woman, you know, so let's say, for example, when a guy cheats and then the woman, you know, has all this shame, 
she was saying, you know, it's not that the woman didn't have desires or ambitions to do things, but what's at stake for a woman gives her, makes her have the patience to really thoroughly think it through a little bit right. more because right. there's so much more at stake historically, for a woman. Historically, right now historically, it's right. Well, Now it's yeah. more even, but historically, right. I mean, it could be shaming, it can be stoning, it could be death. Yep. Um, so there was a lot more to think about. So, you know, it had to be more than just this whimsical thing. Right. So basically, you know, I think the whole episode is on how not to get stuck in this cycle because like any one of us can find ourselves at in any point in this cycle. Right. At any time. Like it's very real. It can, it, you know, all of those things. And, you know, what happens when we do find ourselves in it? You know, where do we go? Who do we reach out to? You know, what do we rely on? Right. How do we not make whatever episode that we deal with that seems like the end of our world not be that fatal thing? Right. You know? Um, so I think, you know, to finish the betrayal thing, uh, the, once you realize that both the, you know, what you experienced with me and then the... Uh, the part of my life that you didn't know about and now you know exists. How do you, how do you integrate those two? Right, and that you know was, how you do know. you how do you make sense of them both, and how do you put them both together and you know in a way that allows you to still, you know, love me and trust me and continue to build with me. Right, and that's just you know really comes from understanding that, you know, the, a person is human and they're going to have error and they're going to make mistakes um, and they're going to do things that, you know, may or not even be mistakes. They may just be something that wasn't thoroughly discussed through, the, the parameters are gray, or just may hurt you, even if it's totally fine. But that doesn't negate that they love you. It doesn't negate that they care for you. It doesn't negate that they're... Uh, as, as awesome as a person you thought they were that you chose to build all these things with. Um, and you just have to really just understand that like, that's just a human thing. Every human, every, no matter how amazing they are, we have transgressions. Um, we, if we don't always act upon them, we've had thoughts. It's all part of the cycle. And it's just a matter of, you know, that's the same person. Yep. And that's where, you know, it ties back into the, into the quote that I used earlier from Pima that uh, says, I'll read it again. Compassion is not a relationship between the healer and the wounded. It's a relationship between equals. Only when you know, only when we know our own darkness well can we be present with the darkness of others. Compassion becomes real when we recognize our shared huma humanity. Right. And I think that's the true quote that has to do with betrayal. Right. It's, it's the only way that you can get through it. Right. Is, you know, you understand that the word betrayal is such a harsh, judgmental word. Right. That it puts, like, it, you know, it basically puts a cross on that person. Right. And, you know, and you have to be able to hear your own internal voice past the fear, 
past the pain, past the neglect, past the doubts. You can see things clearly and only you can judge if the transgression was insurmountable to where you can't go back or if the transgression, as painful as it was, doesn't even equate to the amount of greatness and goodness that this person is to me and that we are to each other. Um, and then once you determine that, like I determined that, you know, very, very early that, you know what, I'm not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. We don't have to leave. We're going to work through this. And it, you know, I, I have faith. I have faith that we can get through this and that, you know, and I didn't even have faith. Like one of the things my inner voice told me was like, if you choose to move ahead, and you have you want to have faith, you have to have faith. Not that this will never happen again. Have faith that this is a human that loves you and cares you and has and will do um, the best things in her ability to continue to show that she can and does. Like I had to do that. I, my pain wanted to be like, I can do this if I know it's never going to happen again. Right. But the wisdom is like, no, you have to go in knowing that it very well may happen again. It's it's some it's a, it's a it's a transgression. Things happen more than once. Steph Curry, you can tell him don't turn over the ball. Don't turn over the ball. You'll it may even cost you a series. It may cost you a championship. But you you can't expect Steph Curry to always be perfect. You can't expect him to not turn over the ball, to not fall asleep at the wheel, or to not whatever it is. Instead, you know, it's once you get to that point, then you can breathe deep and just move on and have faith. And you're scared as shit in the beginning because you're hurt. You're like, you know, and you have to rebuild the trust, rebuild the faith. Um, but you can't do that by shitting on a person, reminding them how, what they've done. You have to really love them and say, you know, that happened and it hurts and I'll be dealing with that for a while. But there's the rest of our lives we live too. And they have to be able to live. You know, like my pain can come with me, but the joy that we have and the family we built it's still here and it's still real. We want to build on that. So, you know. I bet you you did not think you were going to talk about it on this episode. Um, I did. I mean, it doesn't, oh, okay. yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's the topic of betrayal. And I'm like, you know, what better than have first-hand experience that are us, and then us to be able to share ours as opposed to me to share the time when you fucked me over. And that's what she talks about too. Right. Is once you start to heal and you choose that, the transgression does not outweigh the relationship, then it goes from the time when she cheated on me to our crisis, the time we went through some crazy shit. Right, you know? right. And, but that only applies to the special group that she calls explorers. Right. The people that come into this situation and they don't know what's going to happen at the end. Right. But they're willing to go through it. Right, the ones that don't walk out. Right. Or the ones that, there's, well, there's two. There's ones that just walk out, and then there's ones that just want to get back in their comfort zone and be in a relationship and don't ever want to deal with it, and they suppress it. Yeah. And then there's ones who are like, oh, shit, that shit's broken. What do we do? What do we build? How do we do it? And it becomes this new sense of connection. You become vulnerable again. You become alert. You, you're paying more attention to this person, and not in a paranoid way, but in a, a vulnerable, attentive, loving way. Like, and you're making a different level of eye contact. And, you, and it kind of brings you back to the state of fragility when you understand this shit could be gone. Yep. And it wakes you back up. And that can really change your relationship in a good way. So 
we're going to go ahead and go to a break and we'll come back and keep it moving. The Black Russian Podcast. Musical Youth Heartbreaker. Yeah, 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 the Black Russian Podcast. That was a classic track by Musical Youth called Heartbreaker, which in title it seems relevant and, and content it's not really as relevant. <laughs> don't cry because she leaves you. She's a heartbreaker. Don't let her hurt you. No, it's like, A, you may not need to leave. Or I guess, well, she left you. I guess nothing you could do. But of course you're going to cry if someone breaks, you know, someone breaks your heart. You're sad. Like, you know, that, that goes into the male thing. Just wipe your eyes. Just fake it. Don't, don't show any emotion. Just anger is cool and repression and stuff like that. And that's, you know, we get the gist of it. But this goes into the topics, like we're saying, you know, a lot of our narrative, narratives and movies and music and stuff like that don't give us the tools and the range and the space to have yeah. nuance. Yeah. You know, if she cheats or he cheats, 
out she goes. Right. But when they say cheat, they're only talking about vagina, penis, genitalia. Right. They're not talking about when he's emotionally unavailable and neglects you. They're not talking about when he neglects your sexual desires. Or we're talking about when, you know, she no longer treats you like you're sexy or likes you. Like, they don't talk about any of that. Emotional abuse, they don't talk about. Physical abuse, they don't talk about it. None of that. It's just genitalia. Okay. Right. So that's, you know, kind of, that goes straight into how, what I think, uh, and you can yell at me uh, for putting monogamy down, but this is like a total setup for a betrayal. Right. Because the mon- like the we set monogamous relationships up for failure by making this sexual fidelity as the one single most important element of the fidelity. That's what defines fidelity. Right. Above and beyond. Above and beyond stated. anything else. Right. So that's the only one thing that we talk about that defines infidelity and that's gonna crush our marriage right and then we def- we demand 100 percent compliance with it right like you can't fail it's not a 97 percent it's not 99.5 percent it's 100 percent right you have to be completely faithful always if you if you had uh I don't know, in a course, someone went down on you, you know, one time during your 40-year-old marriage, that's right. a failed marriage. Right, it's all doomed. and that's It's like, freaking insane. Yeah, that's how Dan Savage would say. He's like, you know, I'm going to use skateboarding because I use skateboard or snowboarding. He's like, you know, if you're a great skateboarder, you know, you can skate the ramp or you can skate this handrail or stairs and bust your ass and then land it and be considered an amazing skateboarder. Because you landed more than you failed. Right. So, but it doesn't matter. I mean, to you, it wouldn't matter if you, like, if you crashed a hundred times and right. you landed that one time, you're amazing. Right. You're going to figure it out. Right. And it's like, you know, or anything. I mean, just anything that's I mean, 100% Steph, as, absolute is I crazy. I mean, who is, who, who has the highest free throw yeah, Steph percentage? Steph Curry shoots like 94%. Right. So he's a failure. Right, he's a failure at he's a horrible basketball I can player. tell you that Aisha will tell him he's a failure if he cheats on her once. Oh sure, he will just every. I mean, and that's the and it due to the emotional triggering and the weird issues and, and uncommunicated things that we have with sex. That just makes everything just amplify. Like we can't even talk about it when things are good. No. So, in that, no, we have like, no tools. No, and because there is no, like, positive language about infidelity. Right. Just like the word betrayal is such a negative, final, oppressive, right. judgmental word. Infidelity is just, I mean, what do you want? You committed infidelity. Like, you're, you're done. Right. There is nothing, there is no argument for you. You're done. You just might as well start packing up. Right. Like that's, that's, and so, I mean, that, uh, I think it's a huge setup for, for betrayal in monogamy. Right. It doesn't give room for this conversation. Right. So any other relationship, you know, there's, there definitely can be betrayals. Right. But 
at least a different style of relationship requires more conversation and negotiation. Right. And that's like same thing with open relationships or LGBT relationships, especially in gay men that he was saying specifically. He's like, you have to, everything is negotiated. Like nothing is assumed. There's so yeah. many things you have to discuss. In an open relationship, you have to discuss yep. what are the parameters. Yep. You know, um, do we bring people home? Do we not bring people home? Do we, do we, are we affectionate in public? Do we talk to our kids or families? Is it something we choose that we don't talk about? Right. I mean, there's just so, do we do oral, anal, this, that, the third? Do we bring somebody in? Do we go, so, I mean, there's just so many things you have to discuss. You know, what do I mm -hmm. do when I'm sensitive? What do you do when you're sensitive? Right. Are you allowed to sleep away? You know, these right. things. Um, and gay, like the dance I was saying, like, you can be like, are we monogamous or not? Who's getting fucked? Well, and if, you know, if we are monogamous, what is it? Like, right. what kind of monogamy? Oral, you know, anal. Right. Like, can we masturbate together? Is this, does, you know, like, right, any, right. like anything is up for negotiation. Right. And, and the fact that, I mean, and it's so fluid, like they always say, like, no one can really test the, the percentage of infidelity. It goes from like 25% to 85% right. because the definition of infidelity is so broad and forever changing. Now we have the, we have smartphones. Now we have dating apps. Now we have texting, sexting, texting. Now we have flirting on the phone with people we may never met. Um, is that cheating? Is looking at porn cheating? Is masturbating while listening to someone, while watching someone else cheat? Yeah, no. Know? And for some people it is. And right. some people it is not. I mean, my ex-husband was taken into therapy because he had playboys yeah i mean and that's yeah so you think about that and we're talking about monogamy as a setup because of monogamy you don't talk about these things you just say we're we're about to get serious that means you and me baby and mm. there's there's no one talks about it and i think there's just a really tremendous it's a dis, it's a disservice because you don't you're unaware of where the landmines are like, I don't know, if, if we don't discuss it, I don't know that me looking at porn is looked at as cheating to you. Yeah. You know, or going, taking my friend who's a woman out to the movies. I mean, it's funny, you know, on the open relationship group thing. So someone posed the question. So, hey, how do you guys feel when your partner masturbates next to you? Right. And the answers were like all over the place. Right. From... Hey, it's great. It gives me time to watch my movies. Right. Or to like, uh, no, you know, that's disrespectful. <laughs> like, what am I, a piece of meat? Like, what am I, a log? Like, what, I'm here. We need, you know, right. if that's how I'm, you're feeling, you need to be feeling it with me. I must be using it all the time. And this goes back to just core human error. Like, right. like. So, I mean, it just goes to show you that, I mean, uh, we could have totally opposite opinions on a lot of things. Right, yeah. There's a broad, <laughs> and, and so not being able to have that conversation leaves everyone in the dark. Yeah. And so if you're in a monogamous relationship right now and you're listening to this, thank you for doing that, first of all. Um, but have, ask yourself, you don't have to tell us, <laughs> but just ask yourself, have you ever with your wife, husband, spouse, discussed where monogamy ends and infidelity starts. Just 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 ask yourself that. And I would I, I would conduct this experiment. 
I would keep asking myself a question. Can I tell him this? Yes. Can I tell him this? Yes. Right. Can I tell him this? Ooh. Can right. I tell him this? No. That's where your that that's where infidelity right. in your mind starts. Right. Because you will very quickly get to this point where it's like, ooh, There's no. There's something you feel that you do yeah. that you will could not tell the other person. Absolutely not. Even if it's just in thought. Yep. And, you know, I mean, I run that test, you know, now in my head all the time. And, I mean, it's fascinating how fast you get to that place. It's, it, I mean, it's there. Right. And that's the crazy thing is we talk about like when you put sex as the most ultimate defining thing in 100% perfection, it really sets you up for a very hard time to be perfect. None of us are these things. And, you know, also that loyalty is this thing. And in reality, loyalty may or may not include sexual exclusivity. That is something that should be discussed. It shouldn't be assumed. Right. Because as we talk about in a lot of our podcasts, sex is not the most divine, defined act, divine act. It can be depending on the people involved in it, but it can also be used to abuse, to rape, to belittle, to berate, to manipulate, to motivate, to empower, to drain. It's a tool, it's a powerful tool, but it's not the most divine. You can have a conversation that moves you deeper than getting some more. You know, I loved it. The example that Esther Perel used in this, you know, that loyalty may not include sexual exclusivity is where this, uh, you know, I think whatever, he was 62 years old. He uh, said, hey, is it still considered infidelity if my wife is basically gone with like full-on Alzheimer's in a full-on nursing home? And, you know, she doesn't know who I am. I right. take care of her. I'm extremely loyal. Like he fully right. takes care of her yeah. all the time. And lo and behold, he met a woman whose husband was in the same exact on the same floor, right. in the same situation, and they now are a couple, and they use what they share to continue to be loyal to their spouses. Right. They both take care of their right. spouses who have Alzheimer's. So they're they're totally loyal. They're definitely. Not faithful, right? Because and, their spouses and those, and those are terms. still alive, right? You know, they're not divorced, they're not deceased, right? So they're cheating, right? Is that cheating no, in those terms, right? And that's where we move into like, you know, we should really, um, well, this goes right into what you're saying next is like, is there is no moral neutral language to talk about fidelity? We say cheating, unfaithful, yeah. betray, like. We just have the most vitriol terms. There's Super no way you can judgmental. feel loving and cheating at the same time. The word sounds like yeah. the ultimate evil. Yeah. Unfaithful, that came from like the ultimate sin, which is the completely defying God, having faith in God. Yeah. That's where that comes from. That means you are damn near the devil. You're, you're coinciding with devilish acts. Um, so what do we do? What do we do? Well, and that's the whole, that's an open question, you know. Oh, you're not going to tell me? I have no, well, I know what you and I do. What do we do? <laughs> we have faith and we trust each other and we basically live 
day by day. And I can tell you from my side, when we were working through this, can we be together? Can we uh, rebuild our trust in each other? And I mean, it was an hour by hour kind of deal. Right. You know, it was like, you know, if you manage to not think about it and cry for half an hour, that was a victory. And then right. if you manage to uh, agree to do the normal stuff, it's a victory. It was like, you know, and thank God that, you know, it's Tion next to me and not somebody else because, you know, he would do things like, all right, we're going out to eat or we're going out to bowl, we're going out to hang out, and we're not talking about it. We're just doing our stuff. Right. Like we're, just, we're just doing our normal stuff that normally brings us joy. And like little by little, like you start allowing it, allowing it to come back and to right. feel it and to trust that, hey, what we have is actually, if we let it live and breathe, Right. And, you know, we don't stifle it. It's going to see us through. Right. The leg is broken but not amputated. And it can heal with love and time and nourishment. And, you know, and just so you guys all know, like, it wasn't like, oh, we had it easy. It happened once and we're done. Like, like that type of stuff has happened many times since then. But we have, each time it's gotten as crazy as it's gotten, we know how to process. We know not to go back to this whole spiral of re-question everything all over again. And we just know this is a part that's challenging for me or a part that's challenging for her. And, you know, but each time we allow ourselves to revisit, like, do we have enough to continue to go through? And we double check and each time our double checking, you know, gets a little shorter and we just keep going and have faith. Um, and that's the thing is like, how many of you in relationships will allow uh, a crisis to happen where you felt cheated on, betrayed, deceived, um, and still build and still work? You know, where is your nuclear level? Um, and it's good to be aware of those things because... I actually just asked someone that question. Did you? What is the, like, do you have a specific set of... of, of uh, circumstances that will make you leave. Right. And I mean, I, I think that it's great that she said, yes, I do. And this is my set. Right. Cause you kind of have to know. It's good to have parameters and yeah. it's good to vet your set and it's good to revet your set down the road because my limits seven years ago right. might be very different than mine now. And the re the, the moral of all of this is it's all fluid what commitment is to each other is fluid. What you or I want is fluid. Um, what we need is fluid. The structure of our relationship is fluid. The definitions of monogamy and infidelity in people's lives and society are very fluid. But the word monogamy is evolving fast and fast and fast. Like it's not what it used to mean. Right. It, so the meaning that you're defining right now, feeling morally high for those who do feel like they're on a moral high ground, you would have been scoffed at and frowned upon by the original creators of monogamy. Yep. And so, and then a few years later, the same thing will happen. So I think the only thing that is not fluid, the only 
permanent thing, the constant uh, thing that is in the relationship, at least for us. Right. We always say that we will be in the relationship for as long as it is mutually beneficial. Right. For both of us. For yeah. both of us. You know, I mean, mutually beneficial. As soon as it stops being mutually beneficial, that's when we have to end the relationship. Right. We're committed as long as we can be positive attributes to each other. Yeah, and so that's, and that's part the of only that. that's the only uh, constant, and that constant obviously is always changing right. and moving, because you know what he needed ten years ago is different from what he needs now, and you know where I was ten years ago is different from where I am now, and where I want to go is even more different. So it's it. You gotta constantly be defining and redefining what it is to be a positive attribute in each other's lives. Well, but you know what? To do that, you actually need to think yeah. about what is positive for you. Right. Because if you're just floating, right, and you are only coming to, you know, you're you're questioning what's happening only in the moment of crisis, and uh, the way Which, a lot of a lot of people do. Uh, you, there's zero chance that you can work anything out because right. you don't even know what's good for you. You don't even know what you want. Right. How are you going to know that the situation you're in is no longer positive right. for you? And if you're in a state of crisis, that's the equivalent, equivalent of being malnourished and sleep deprived on a sugar low, trying to solve the hardest problems in your life. It's just the wrong time to handle the hardest shit ever. So, you know... And also, in the part of resolution and healing and stuff like that, conversation does not equal... Argument. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people come to this, I don't want to talk. Right. You know, every time I talk, I'm, I'm, you know, we end up fighting. Right. Well, because you don't talk. You impose, you judge, you confront. That's not a conversation. Right. The conversation is when... You come in with no expectations, with your guards down, and you don't go hunting for clues or, right. you know, you don't have an agenda that you want to follow and you're not pulling any answers. You're just talking, right. you know. It's, you're talking about how you feel. You're asking open-ended questions about how your partner feels about what you're talking about. You know, maybe ask for their input, and conversation will happen. Right, and, and that's a conversation. Right, and it's 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 finding a morally neutral language to talk about these problems because the reality is, um, I forgot what I was gonna say. That's awesome! Awesome! Wow, you're having yeah. a moment. I must need you're some watermelon. 41. Must need some watermelon. Right. It's like my spinach. Yeah, you're um, kind of parched. Yeah. Oh, damn it. It went away again. I think I was going to try to say it's like, Stupid. You know, in fidelity or in crisis, there are two things that coexist at the same time. One, there's pain from what happened. Two, there's positive and non-directly related to that pain reasons why it happened. They didn't do these actions to hurt you. Being hurt by that, it was a deceived and that was a byproduct of what they were trying to do. Right. So there's two things you have to deal with. 
But we never do. We only want to deal with our pain. Right. Pain trumps everything. So right. none of the shit pain matters. Pain and fear. I mean, it's pain and fear. And so this is where once we get to a point of like calm down, we have to create morally neutral language and space to have these conversations. And that goes into creating a different emotional narrative for the term conversation. Right. So we don't think of, oh shit, she wants to talk. And there's a negative Again, connotation. Right. Oh, shit, he's, like, he's asked me, can we talk tonight? Oh, that's a negative thing. Or, oh, I have to talk to him. Right, like it's obligation. Or for him, well, I, I mean, have to talk. Like, right, it's sh- not even, you know, when, when, you know, uh, the people that are afraid of talk, of conversation, right. are afraid of it because they know that there is an argument on the other side. Right, they're Or something unpleasant it, yeah. on the other side. Like you they're and I, flinching already. Right, like yeah. you and I love to talk because we get nutrients from it. Right, and like, we have the tools to get through uncomfortable situations without it right. blowing up and spiraling off to yeah, hell. Yeah, I can tell you those tools were not given to us. Like right. we didn't go to a store and buy them. Yeah. Like we had to fail and fail and fail and fail. Had to learn to fight to not fight and <laughs> nourish and know when to talk about deep, sensitive things. And we learn, like in crisis, it's not the best time. No. You know, if we're not nourished, it's not a good time. If we're insecure, it's probably not a good time to talk about other partners right. and things like that. Um, and so on and so forth. So creating that space to have conversations is one of the best gifts you could ever give your relationship. Creating the space to where a person can say things that are sensitive to you and you can listen to them and digest them without triggering. Right. And, uh, you know, for the, those of us that have kids, I find that we have more chance of doing that with kids maybe than with our partners at least you know i i do like i've always been able to uh give space to the kids to talk about something that internally was making me just like flinch and and shrivel up and want to cry But I was always able to just sit there and give them space to talk about it and trust that um, I was respectful and and listening. Right. And then I think uh, the way for me to learn how to do that with you was through the kids. Right. Because I knew for a fact that I could do it. Right. It was just a lot more difficult to deal with... uh, our personal relationship because it was just so much more sensitive and there were so many more chances of getting hurt. Right. Yeah. And and the reality is these tools that we use with kids, they're not just for kids. These are tools in how you treat and, and, and share and care about people and, yeah. and have conversations and give them space to grow. Well, unfortunately, a lot of us don't use them for kids either. Right. So, these are, so these, these you know, it just happens that it was a lot easier for me to do that with kids. And right. I I took those same tools and applied them forcefully to, right. you know, making myself do the same thing with you. Uh, but, you know, I mean, there's a lot of parents that won't do it with kids. Right. And it's and that sucks because that teaches the kids to not do that either. Right. And it perpetuates this, this fairy yeah. tale. No one talks, no one asks, no one tells. And that's that. So we're going to get... Out of that. Hope so you got my, a little bit out my of that. closing question is, 50% failure rate in marriages. What do you want to do about it? Right. I think that everyone has to find their own way. Yeah. I don't think there is an answer. 
that you know we can only share what we do about it right uh but then not to think about it or right. to think that oh i'm one of the lucky 50 percent. right that's a total setup right and let's that's what we talk about our hashtag let's be honest yeah let's talk about it um i seriously the facts are the facts that's yeah. what it is like 50 percent don't make it so you know r- marriage just because you say i do just because you say i'm committed does not mean the work stops there does not mean just because you love somebody it stops there um you gotta you know you gotta work and then you know define your definitions of successful marriage hopefully it's not when you two both die 80 years 60 years later at the same time and live it and no you know. one ever cheated right and no one's ever don't forget, cheated don't like, forget the cheating right part. right right Let's, what if you die on the same day and then in your diary they found out that you cheated right oh shit <laughs> shit exhume this nigga <laughs> Zoom him. But yeah, I mean, have honest, practical, rational conversations about these things. Hey, we may not work out. There's a chance that we may not work out. And that feeling, that fear or that sorrow is going to make me work each day to be the best that I can be in this relationship. Because I want to maximize this. And I want to really appreciate this because it may be gone. Like, who knows what will happen. But not, not trembling and butt clenching to have that conversation. You know, understanding that it's 50%. Like, like she says, like, if you bought, would you go and buy an Apple product knowing that you have a 50% chance of that shit not working? Right. I mean, no, you're going to go and find another product. Right. I can get, or you're going to find a way to live without it. Right. Like who's gonna who's gonna invest into something that fails fifty percent of the time, or you're gonna look for a way to make it not fail fifty percent of the right. time, or change your expectations on what right. failure and success is. Failure doesn't have to mean if you made it forty years and you had a great life and kids, but they cheated once or they cheated a couple times, or it didn't work after that. Success could be we did the best we could with each other and gave each other space and love to grow until it was no longer mutually beneficial right. to each other. And it other. was five years. Yeah. Or, you know, we did our best and we, you know, wouldn't change it for a thing. But anything less than death together with 100% infidelity. Even faithfulness. 100% fidelity rate. Right. You know, is a, is a failure. Anything less than that is a failure. Yeah. That That's kind of asking for it, right? So you that, and I have quite a failed marriage. Yeah, we fail every day. Failures, 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 and sneakers, <laughs> sneakers and failures. Um, but yeah, so there's a couple wait, things. Wait, wait, what was that? What was that word or combination Ooh. of words that you found I couldn't pronounce? It was as bad as Fort Lauderdale. It was something like Fort Lauderdale, but I don't remember what it was. <laughs> should write them down we used to have an episode on this called get you let us say dot 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 but then she bailed out of it but maybe she seems a lot more um, open and comfortable with herself we may bring it back and have you guys write in crazy shit for her to say um so yeah so that's where we are now next episode i don't know what the topic for next episode will see will be you know there's there's notes we take now before during that and then something will come up article will come up an incident will come up but oh so we'll deal with that later. But uh, there's two things I want to get into before we leave, just real quickly. You have five uh, minutes. So 
we are so quick to attach labels, put labels first and try to fit shit into them. You know, I hear people say, I want a monogamous relationship. I want an open relationship. I want, you know, these things like that. And what I'm realizing is no one says what the merits of that relationship is they want. They want the template first and then merit right. second. Like, I want, a, I want a good man, but no one defines what a fucking good man is. You know, I want a man that don't cheat. Is that enough? What if the man don't cheat, but he's emotionally neglectful? Like, so I'm like, you don't always have to define what you are, how you are, what relationship style you like. What you like right now may change 10 years from now. But if you tell yourself and convince yourself over and over again that you're this and that doesn't work for you, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be stuck in that and you may change. But you may feel mentally, no, I'm always this. Right. And then you'll have an inner conflict of imposing rules on yourself that you don't abide by anymore because right. you convince yourself that's what you are. So instead of doing that, knowing that we're fluid, knowing that our, we, we're going to change and grow and evolve, and one day we'll be very open for five years. Next thing you're like, monogamous for 10 years. Next thing you know, we're not. Like, it's all over the place. So how about just saying, I want relationships that are loving that are full of gratitude, right. that are full of compersion, that allow me to be seen, that allow me to be heard, that make me feel respected and empowered. How about those? And then whatever circumstance that fits those, that's what you are with that until that's no longer that, right. as opposed to the latter. You know, you don't have to define it. Well, you know, I think it also comes with living in the Bay Area. Right. Open relationship. Everyone's in an open relationship. Right. There's this whole, like, popular trend. Right. By everyone, she means probably, like, 15%. But right, it just seems but like it's loud. a lot. Well, compared to the rest of the... Right, stories, yeah. it's a lot. It's, a, it's you know, it's buzzing. It's a catchphrase more than it's it really is. It's a catchphrase. I think a lot of people are not in open relationships. No, that but they, they have... I think that they... Like feel obligated to right, like identify con with consider. It. Do right. I want to be in this or do I want to be in that? Right. Yeah. I, I think we just have to be some of that. labels. Like you don't have to be a part of any specific team. You can be you. Right. And some days you may feel like, man, I love reggae more. Other days you may be like, man, I love hip hop more. You don't have to be like, I'm hip hop. I don't like anything else. Like that shit could change. Hmm. So. Try to define these relationships based upon the merits of them, not the template, not the title. Because if you do that enough, we know thoughts are things, we know mind is magnet, we become what we think. And next thing you know, we're chasing templates over merit. Yep. Just how some people, they want a man or they want a woman and they don't define what kind of woman, they just want a relationship. They get in it, and lo and behold, there's like, oh, shit, I didn't say I didn't want that. Oops. Now I'm in a relationship. I got what I want, but now there's other details I realize I should have probably... And that's what we're working but, out with our stepson. Right. Baked in the cake. Like, it's just not enough to just want, you know, like I hear people like, you know, I'm more, I, I think I'm just more of a monogamous person. I'm like, that's cool. You very well may be that now. But marriage first, that cool. But know that that doesn't define you. The, right, the, but the then, quality of the relationships define you, and those can change. You can find loving, compersive, uh, empowering relationships that are monogamous, yep. that are non-monogamous, that are with yourself, that are in your career, that are with friends. So, 
that's that. So I wanted to get into that. And also, um, when we were talking about friend zone stuff, <laughs> you know, like why is it that women chase bad boys? That one is so interesting. It was because, a very fascinating thing. Yeah, because there's so many different opinions. and Well, there was the one, I mean, the one opinion that I was coming from, and then there was one that I had never realized, I'd never heard. So the one that I was coming from was that I was always the fly girl's best friend. I was the one that was a super overly emotional, over-communicative, empowering woman. You're a 10 girl. You're beautiful. Help them through all their problems. Help them through their relationships. And they would clamor to me and they would love me. And then once the bad boy or the ex-boyfriend came back, I get a kiss on the forehead. And then they go chase the bad boy asshole who wasn't good for them. And then I wouldn't really hear from them until there was an issue again. So I was that friend. That's what I was talking about. You know, the nice guy. Now, I had a couple of our female friends be like, just because you're nice doesn't mean you deserve sex. And just because a woman puts you in the friend zone doesn't give you the right to shame her and all of that. And I'm like, whoa, I never even thought about that. (laughs) So after thinking about that, I'm like, no, 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 no. Ladies, if a dude that you tell... Is you tell them you just want to be their friend, and they're slut shaming you, and they're a dick. They're probably not fucking. Or your they're friends. just holding their breath, waiting for you to actually have sex with them. Yeah. And if that if they're running out of breath and they're turn, turning negative on you, right. they're showing you their true colors. Yeah, right. They're not your friend. And also, if they do that type of shit, they're not a nice guy. Right. So. The whole assumption that just because you're a nice guy, right? Mean... Nice guy doesn't like you know someone that is clean doesn't. Yeah. doesn't a genuine do nice guy doesn't do that. Like, yeah. A, a genuine nice guy doesn't turn into a a, a chauvinistic asshole when right. he doesn't so get sex. Right. So I think you know I think that there's we an just image. I think there's an image of a nice guy versus a bad boy, yeah. and that's not what you were talking yeah, about. Yeah. That nice guy is a fucking wolf in sheep's clothing. Right, right. That's a bad boy trying exactly. to pl- trying to run game. Right. That's not a nice guy. Right. So, so we're so not talking about the we're not talking nice about looking fake guy. Anything. Right. We're not talking about fake anything. So I just it it sparked that. I needed to clarify that. Ooh, like, yo, you that came is, in hot. Yo, I can man. This this nice guy was like yo, because that's not what. A nice guy is a nice guy is a nice guy. Yep. When when I was all drooling over the girl who was fawning over me until they found their, their bad boy, I was still friends with this person. I was still kind to this person. I'm still kind to lots of them who are who I'm in the friend who, who I'm in the friend zone or I'm just we're not sexual or whatever it is. Like whether or not I had aspirations for more and it didn't go that way, I'm still nice. I still give love. I still care. I don't turn into an asshole. The ones who do, they're not nice guys. Yeah. They're not your friend. They shouldn't even be in a friend zone. Yeah. So that was my last grippy, grippy, goopy. <laughs> uh, got the got the, the chest. We got it all the time. Boom, boom, boom. Everything is checked off. Wow, he's got a checklist. Fucking Virgo. Gotta keep an eye on the rabbit. Rabbit sometimes Jesus. go wrong. Jesus. So wow. We got it That's who I sleep next to. Bam. Right? And we got. This weekend, we got Thor Ragnarok coming up, Marvel 
movie. I'm excited about it. Rabbit's kind of excited about it. Yeah. Okay, we're excited about it. So we're going to do that and have some fun. We may or may not review it on the next podcast. Maybe this relationship. Maybe there's relationship-relevant shit in there. Maybe mm-hmm. Thor and Hulk have a really, really good Maybe that's our next Esther Perel. Yeah, right? <laughs> Ragnarok. They're coming. Yeah, so we're going to nap. But all in all, all in all in We all, bowled in our Wookiee costumes last night. Yes, we bowled in our Wookiee costumes. They it didn't was, help with the bowling. It was hot. It was like Bikram <laughs> bowling, like Wookiee bowling. Um, but it was fun. It was cool. And I'm grateful that we both dressed up as Wookiees and that my wife was cool enough to wear a Wookiee costume <laughs> out in public. So I'm grateful for that. He was a little tight. Yeah. I'm grateful for that, comes, too. Comes with the territory. I'm grateful for that. <laughs> she she got it on the backside because she was wearing a Wookiee costume. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I saw. That's how sexy she looked as a Wookiee. <laughs> Is that what happened? We pulled out the dirty, dirty for the uh, for the Wookiee costume. Halloween. No, it's just Halloween. No, we pulled out the ganja. The oh god, stop! <laughs> what was it? What was it? What was it? <laughs> so, a ointment. Oh, so we had the, we had like some, the gel, like yeah, the gel. Some topical. We had some ganja topical something, and Eula was like, "I wonder if that's good lube." <laughs> so we searched around for it, and we found more about suppositories, about THC suppositories, which really help That's for anal sex because it releases. But this is like almost muscle. purely CBD. Yeah, it's just CBD oil, and you know, like she was wearing a Wookiee costume, and we had that curiosity. So when we came back, <laughs> we saw how good topical THC or topical CBD oil work for backyard burning. We and luckily it wasn't burning. It, yeah, I don't know if I, I got high through my penis <laughs> and you got high through your anus, but we slept really, <laughs> really, really good. So if you've never tried that and you're in anal sex, um, try some CBD lube or just CBD topical. It doesn't have to be lube, but just try it because it's relaxing. Was it relaxing? Yeah, it I can't. Relaxing. I can't say because I was the one getting fucked. <laughs> can't say, right? This, we'll go into this next week. We'll talk oh, about God. those things because how Dan Savage talks about like, you right. know. Straight men and women, imagine if you got with a girl and you were about to have sex and you said, what are you into? And she said, I want to have sex with you, but I don't want to be penetrated. What would you do? Ponder that till the next episode. I'm grateful for all of you guys listening and, and enduring this. I asked one of your friends that question and he's like, whoa, 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 I'm out of there. Yeah. First, another <laughs> test for male privilege right. coming up. He's like, holy shit, I'm out of there. What's yeah. that? So we'll end that. We're grateful for lots of things, many, many things, many, many things and things and more things like that. So Black Russian Podcast, Tian, Buku, One. And I'm Yola. Have a good night. Night. Bujubantan, be my lover. Free. Taking a chance, only one time.